Oi. 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 You're listening to Until the Kettle Boils, a podcast at sea. Honestly, but. Kettle's on. Kettle's on. I did not hear. I think this is a it's slow morning. Let's <clears throat> let's let's make sure everybody understands this is a very slow morning. Slow morning because what we we almost ran out of coffee. I think yeah we are in the coffee crisis. Like uh, but I expect and I believe I hope it's like a fake uh, flower crisis that we had. So yeah we can't find any more coffee. No, did you check back here? We checked back there. We checked back there. We checked behind all the seats. All the known. Oh my coffee god. Coffee hiding places, we've checked. Ben woke me up at like 5 a.m. to look for coffee. No. Because he knows. Because he knows what's, <clears throat> what matters. And right now the coffee is boiling, but there's an atmosphere of uncertainty in the air whether this kettle be poured porridge. into a coffee. Porridge is thingy. served. Yeah, so porridge is served. Thank you very much. Adam just gave us uh, a bowl of uh, his creamy, creamy porridge. And still, you th- I'm bruised. I see that you're still worried about the coffee. <laughs> Let me first show you that I have my own secret stash that I will share with you um, behind the back of everyone else, <laughs> because, because they don't know co- what coffee really means. And also, I'm sure there's coffee somewhere. There's gotta be. Some yeah, I swear there was more than one urban. Yeah, everybody, everybody seems to say that there's more than one urban, whatever how you call that. Urban. Urban. Can. But we're doing uh, Adam's. I'm gonna find it today. That's my mission. Adam's porridge. It's good to have a purpose when you wake up on this boat because you don't always have one every day. What do you mean? The purpose is uh, science, and we're gonna do a net. Today we are. Today's gonna be a good day. Yesterday yeah. we didn't do any science. I was a little confused with my existence. I get that. I actually did a filtration though. A little, uh, microfiber. Just to stay so on top of it. In two hours we should meet the, uh, the rower, Alex. And so right now we're slowly going downwind, full main, full Yankee, no stay sail. Just sailing downwind, very slow, very light winds. Uh, before uh, two, check that out. Do we have any plan of action once we meet this guy, Alex? Mm, I haven't made a, a real plan, but the basis will be the same. So we're going to launch the dinghy, probably go over. And maybe pick him up if he wants to come over and like sit here. You know, we'll ask him a few questions, and uh, then if we have, it really depends on time because they seem to be in a bit of a hurry. Uh, apparently, sailboat that drops him off needs to go back to San Francisco by 27. Um, I thought we were supposed to kind of like cross paths or link up over the night. What, did the wind die down or something? Mm. What happened? It didn't die down as much as it was weak, and we had to go downwind. And more, so we just couldn't. And they, they, they kept up the good speed. They passed us actually. They didn't pass us as in cross path. We just passed the location, the expected location. Oh, that was they were supposed to be. So we jibed again, and now we we are communicating. We talked twice on VHF, and in a couple of hours, you should, you should even before that, we should cross path. Then we could do a net. I expect I expect Ben and uh, and Alex. We'll do something together, swim and kayak and whatever, uh, row together. Okay. But we, we can't, we don't have a lot of time, we can't keep them too long. But I think two or three hours of their time won't, won't change anything in their plans. Then what's next for us after we do this little meetup? Because today's mm. kind of like a break day in our sailing. Well, 
that leaves us about uh, six to seven days to come back. So we can start heading east, I believe, after that. I think right now we're roughly 500 miles away from San Francisco. Well, we've gone back a bit, so a little, <coughs> little more. So just over, mm -hmm. just over 500 miles. Wow, we're really close. Yeah, we've been doing some loops around. Um, it's funny because uh, right now the end of it, um, towards the end, yeah, we have less, our purpose is, is not really defined. I mean, we have missions, we have things to do, we have tasks, we have stuff that we need to collect, but we kind of need to find where to go, in a sense. So we have gone a bit north to try and see the subtropical sub front and then this uh, a rendezvous opportunity occurred to us and a rendezvous is, is a cool thing so I'm not letting that go <coughs> so we're but, mm -hmm. Drew we're getting pretty far outside of the garbage patch what are we still seeing like a lot of trash a lot of plastic how are the net toes samples looking I think that one thing that's been very clear, and that is that we've been seeing a lot more floaters out there. And by floaters, I mean floats, buoys, and anything with a high windage, mm -hmm. which is less likely to be seen in the center of the garbage patch where you have the uh, center of the garbage patch kind of follows the, um, the average, most consistent area of the high-pressure system. And in the high-pressure system, you have less wind, so things with a high windage are likely to be transported out of the high pressure system center of the garbage patch faster than anything else, whereas plastic that persists in the center of the garbage patch persists primarily due to the, the surface currents of the water yeah. moving in a clockwise gyre movement. And so a lot of the, a lot of the plastics we were seeing in the garbage patch had definite, you know, Asian writing and things on it. The things we're seeing now, now that we're getting closer to America, do you think, we're, is that trash coming from America? Could it still be coming from different countries? My um, opinion, uh, is that not necessarily, because they are still, this area where we are is very affected, or is, uh, it's kind of the end of the currents and the wind uh, that comes from pretty much all the way from Japan. But we haven't checked it that much, haven't we, in the last few days? <coughs> One of the research papers on the nav desk we've got that Drew was reading yesterday, and I had a look over, breaks down where the, they did a study, the largest to date, of what the debris is out here. Mm -hmm. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, but it said that, was it about third, it was roughly a third was Japanese, a third or, and Chinese, and then there was a further third from kind of Oriental countries, and there's 16 other countries listed with English writing or other writing where it clearly stated what where it was produced from the 1970s to 2010. Was that the ocean cleanup paper? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's more true to big river. First of all, I mean, obviously, it, there isn't a good way to to track smaller bits, the fragments, the microplastic to the origin. I think they've been very successful yeah. in tracking the origin of that. Yeah, that and that's the oldest stuff. I, I do believe that uh, you are correct there on your numbers. Um, I don't remember exactly, but but uh, the point, the main point, is that most of the debris that we find, like ninety percent or more, is has no identifiable. Like they, I think that of their sample of 
like 1500 large identifiable objects only like 150 or less were identifiable with writing or made in this tiny, country tiny or, yeah mm-hmm. a lot of it I think the primary sources are Japan, China, and Korea, and then there's a few from there was a few with English writing on them as well. But that's the really the hardest thing with the plastic out here in the the high seas is that by a lot of it by the time it gets out here or by the time it's encountered by us humans, it's already degraded from what it originally was into tiny little pieces that are completely untraceable. the main proponents of compounds when broken down polyethylene and polypropylene they were the two main constituent plastics that were found in the garbage patch that's what the study was saying not yeah yeah but, but it's funny because I was thinking about if we're going back about this tracking like who where is it coming from I was just thinking about waste we did talk remember we talked the first uh, episode about Recycling, recycling culture, how is recycling working, where, actually, where actually the tra- trash goes away to, and, uh, and waste, and, consuming. and uh, yeah, I was thinking about this in the context of our coffee, being uh, wasted, because <laughs> I'm uh, sensitive to the waste of coffee, but also waste management, um, the way our boat works, uh, we have to manage our waste, and, you know those guys? have to separate the plastic, the soft plastic, the hard plastic. We have a lot of uh, plastic wraps as much as we try to avoid. We have so many stuff wrapped in plastic, then boxed in plastic. And we have tried to avoid it, but it seems like you can't really buy a product without any plastic. And the rest is in cans. Also plastic laminated with uh, some BPA. BPAs, as we learned recently and the rest is uh, organic I guess organic or paper so the organic we toss overboard once it's uh, small enough and what if it's a cardboard we tear it apart the cans we smash so they keep uh, take less space and, and the plastic we just keep storing it I'm really interested in uh, quantifying, understanding how much plastic waste we've generated. I would love to weigh it when we get to land somehow, if there's a scale at the harbor that we have or something, because I think it's really interesting. We've tried to take measures to ensure that we don't, we try to reduce the amount of plastic that we're bringing on board with the expedition, and originally the idea was to try to plan a plastic-free expedition, but quickly it was realized that that is completely impossible in the way that our economy and our society is operating at this point so dependent on the plastic. So it would just be really interesting to know how much, even while being conscious about it, trying to not use very much, how much uh, we did end up using through the expedition. I think it's a lot. I think that number is going to be a lot less than what we think. Just doing the... the weight? Yeah. Mm-hmm doing a lot of waste management and putting the bags we store you know once you get enough uh trash you throw them in some some plastic bags and we store them in so our even, lazarette even and bags. yeah yeah even to store the trash you need plastic bags and then that trash smells bad so now you're using multiple plastic bags it's a vicious cycle but 
I think it's gonna be a lot less than what we think. I, I imagine we'd have a ton of trash, but what I've seen so far, we've done real I, well. I don't know, I consider this a ton of trash. Imagine it's only empty wrappers. It's not, they don't have their own bulk, they don't have their own anything. It's just um, crunchy, um, mostly clear plastic wrappers, and they're already occupying all of our Lazarus. I mean, they're not squished. They're not, I'm sure if we condense them and we squish them, they'll take much less space, but feels like a lot of me and it feels like every day we need to open another wrapper every day we need to open another you know you open a plastic box you peel off the plastic uh, seal or you open up a, a bar or yeah any other air uh, i would say i would say that it's just relative you know like if it's a lot or a little it's relative to what we know and i think based on our land consumption of plastic what we are doing out here per capita, per individual, is way less than what we would be doing on for land, sure. For, yeah, sure. for sure, without yeah. a doubt. On land, you pretty much fill your your home little uh, bin every day. Yeah, just about. Mm -hmm. We got we have big bins in the in the USA, but uh, <laughs> yeah, once a week, right? So at Probably least the one inside your home. Oh, the one inside. The one under the sink or whatever you keep it. Yeah, those fill up quick. Every day you. you Take out the trash. That's pretty uh, much, pretty much every day you take out the trash, right? How many people do you think out here abide by maritime legislation on waste management? You mean the, the ships that Marpol, the, the marine Annex V, Annex yeah. Five, Marpol Annex Five. Great topic, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Marpol Annex Five is a international law or policy implemented to be obeyed by countries that choose to obey it because we are out on the high seas there's no jurisdiction out here per se of this part of the world but there has been an international policy that has been suggested and it's called Marpol Annex 5 and it Stand basically marine pollution thank you and that pretty much is saying that it is illegal to dump plastic out on the high seas, and it. Do you know anything more? Anything more you would like to say about it, Yoav? Um, well, pretty much what you said, but yeah, it's, it's the question is who abides and who follows. Those right. Rules. Is there any way to even track who abides and who doesn't? The abide? companies, companies or countries where companies are registered can and we and they follow. Like the Coast Guard, part of the of Coast Guard's uh, responsibilities is to see to that they have the right. Uh, Say an incinerator in a ship is not allowed to dump plastic, so they either have to present the plastic they use or incinerate it. But I wouldn't know. I mean, I don't know how how strict or how how much teeth that law has. Uh, basically, you just have to trust them. And yeah, obviously, smaller ships, fishing boats are are, are known to not <laughs> follow those rules. And just dump whatever they don't need. Big ships are more monitored. They have more um, shipping, uh, shipping ships and stuff. Big yeah. Yeah. ships. Oh, there goes the kettle. But I just want to say last thing. I know in my in my readings that uh, it's very challenging. It's a, one of one of the areas in in plastic science, plastic pollution science in the ocean that is a, a very large hole in the data is being able to quantify how much plastic and fishing gear is discarded every year and the scientists do believe that it's a very significant number contributing to what we find out here in the garbage patch but 
the more data is necessary to to decide or to actually understand how much is being how much of a source that is for the ocean. But not now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There goes the kettle. The kettle's Sorry, boiled. More on yeah. Annex Five. Coffee and it's a good one to start on next time. More on Annex Five on our next episode. This was a a dry AM episode. Real uh, dry in humor. Um, very educational. We'll see you guys in the PM. Yeah. You're listening to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>